A Song Can Change Your Life is funded in part by the Fulton County Board of Commissioners and presented by Home by Dark Productions, the City of Alpharetta, Fulton County Arts and Culture, and Arts Alpharetta. A Song Can Change Your Life is recorded in the Black Box at the Alpharetta Arts Center, located at 238 Canton Street, Alpharetta. To learn more about our programs and events at the Alpharetta Arts Center, go to alpharetta.ga.us and search Arts Center or click the link located on our website, asongcanchangerlife.com. Hello, and welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life, where we talk with one songwriter, one-on-one, about one of their songs. My name is James, and we're coming to you from the Black Box at the Alpharetta Arts Center in awesome Alpharetta, Georgia. Our show is brought to you by Home by Dark, the city of Alpharetta, Georgia, Fulton County Arts and Culture, and Arts Alpharetta. My guest today is singer-songwriter Christopher Allen Yates. Christopher is a multi-instrumentalist, vocalist, songwriter, producer, engineer, and has worked with many names such as Driving and Crying, Collective Soul, Sean Mullins, John Waite, The White Stripes, and on and on. On today's episode of A Song Can Change Your Life, Christopher and I sit down and talk about his musical journey and take a deep dive into his powerful song, Old Mill Town. South of the Carroll County line As the crow flies ten miles down West of the Chattahoochee There's a shotgun shack town Shotgun shacks on cinder blocks And the smell of it's deep summer in the dusty south where your skin never free At work before the sun comes up Fifteen hours more to go When the quitting whistle blows Supper's on the sofa, we're all going down in Old Mill Town. Christopher Allen Yates, welcome to A Song Could Change Your Life, my friend. Thank you, James Castu. Glad you're here. We, uh, we've known each other quite a while. Yes, indeed. And I believe, the, I believe I met you years ago, didn't even know you were a musician. I think the first time I really interacted with you, um, you were an audio engineer. And... And it wasn't until later that I discovered you had multiple talents. I believe you are responsible, sir, because um, you're for the unemployment rate <clears throat> for uh, all the musicians in Atlanta because uh, you're a songwriter, you're a singer, you're a producer, you're an engineer, you play guitar, banjo. I've seen you play drums. You probably play some piano too, don't you? I do play a little piano. And yeah, I know you play trumpet too because you've done that at some Home by Dark shows before. Yes, yes, yes. Man. Um, you know, like you were saying earlier, we were talking about this and... Uh, it's the get in where you fit in kind of thing, but I've always tried to make my work surround music. So uh, anything that I've done, whether it be you know audio engineering or even video editing, or it's always kind of kept me in the mix. You know, did that has that ever happened in your career where you saw an opportunity and maybe you weren't didn't have the skill yet for like percussion, for example, um, someone needed a percussionist or drums? Because I know that's something you sort of 
have developed later on, but you saw a need and said, yeah, I can do it. That's right. Maybe in advance of actually knowing how to do it. That, well, that's what happened with the Sweet Tea Project. It started out with, uh, with Ed Roland from Collective Soul and myself. And we were writing songs together and recording a little bit. And we started bringing in other musicians. And what we figured out is we needed to hear some banjo on that music. And we also figured out if we put a little trumpet on that music on the live shows, people seem to really respond to that, yeah. just bringing that out. So uh, I shifted gears and saw an opportunity, and I picked up the banjo and started practicing and practicing and practicing. And then next thing you know, we were out playing shows and recording with it. So, yes. Wow. Well, that's amazing in and of itself, but it also requires uh, an aptitude, a musical aptitude that, that I certainly don't have, but a lot of musicians don't. Um, where do you think that versatility came from? When you were a kid, did you just experiment a lot with different instruments or were you locked into something? Or? Short attention span. I'm, okay, I want to go do this now. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was somebody that always liked to try to do things to challenge myself, whether it be musical or more, you know, juggling or playing with nunchucks or riding a unicycle. I, I, I do all of those things. <laughs> now, do you, yeah. you do nunchucks and play trumpet or anything like that at the same time? Not at the same time. Okay. I, can't, I can't, can't do that. Same. But the, the point is, I think I was always that kind of kid that just wanted to, to entertain myself and try things, you know. So, so it, it translated whether I was playing music or, or, or any other activity. So. Yeah. So where, where did... Uh, going backwards, where did the musical sort of the beginnings of that happen with you? Was it um, did you have, you had music in the house? Your father yep. was a musician, wasn't he? Yep, my my father uh, Red Yates uh, is past now, but he was a very uh, very accomplished musician. Uh, he he worked full time and never took music to a career level, but was always working on the weekends always when i say working was always gigging on the weekends and playing uh you know at the the moose lodges and and the veteran uh the veteran uh you, VFW? VFW, yeah. yes. and those types of things so fish fries and gatherings at my house he would always have some of the finest musicians that showed up and you know pedal steel guitar players and electric guitar players and bass players and drummers would be there so I was exposed and early on motivated to want to pick that up. I saw them doing it, having a great time, and I wanted to be a part of that. Now, did he did he take you aside and teach you? Uh, to some degree. I, I, the first time I ever performed in front of folks was with him at one of his uh, – he was playing for the Jackson uh, Sheriff birthday party, and I got up and sang Green, Green Grass of Home. Ah. So that was my first exposure to getting up in front of people right. and seeing something. And I would say, yeah, along the way, he definitely helped me and, and tutored me some. Now, where where was that in Georgia? At? Where was that? Uh, where did I grow up? Yeah. Was, you said Jackson County? Jackson, Georgia. I was talking Jackson, about Jackson Lake. He used to spend a lot of time down there, and they all knew him, and he played for all their gatherings, all their— Is that where you grew up? Grew up in Jonesboro, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. No, Jackson Lake was just somewhere we used gotcha. to— that was, the, that was the local mud hole we used to hang out at. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. So, so where was the— so you grew up sort of catching the bug a little bit, and did you just gravitate towards learning music like a lot of us did in our rooms, to put on records and and learning to play along the records, or or um, were you trying to become a guitar player, or were you trying to become a singer? Where was your first yeah. sort of love at? I, well, I started playing trumpet in school and did real well at it. I was first chair trumpet player and. Um, I, I excelled pretty well. That was about the only thing at school I did excel at. 
And uh, so I had that. And then some boys in the neighborhood, we got together and started my next door neighbor. He and I used to sit and pick together. And then we had a little band called Premier. And that became, you know, high school parties and uh, those types of gatherings. And then eventually, when we graduated, this year we graduated high school, graduated high school, we auditioned at Six Flags over Georgia to become their summer rock and roll mm-hmm. band. So we played seven shows a day. Oh, wow. You did a Six Flags thing. Yeah, wow. seven shows a day. And uh, it was out in the sun. And uh, we didn't care. We were having a blast, yeah. you know, just every every day out there uh, playing, playing, our, playing our tunes. Well, there ain't no worry about getting in a hurry Doing time at the factory You don't need boss to keep them working in a prison When they're living in poverty A couple years later, I was playing with Ed Rowland and a band. And Ed Rowland went on to become famous for uh, Collective Soul, the front man of songwriter of all that. And uh, we were playing at little bars and stuff, and I had met someone, and you know, I just didn't think it was going anywhere. And so uh, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm not really going to do this. I'm going to go work and have this relationship. And next thing I know, they blew up and right, became superstars. Right. So don't ask me for career advice, <laughs> I tell people. But, you know, I wouldn't change anything. It was just that's the way it went down. And so, yeah, as we got older, I kind of drifted out of it, drifted mm-hmm. away from it. And uh, uh, Collective Soul went on to become Collective Soul. And that is the same reason I drifted back into it. I was at a CVS over in Duluth, down the road from Tree Sound Studios, and Ed Roland walked in, and uh, he had just had his first child, and he was in there all tired looking because he was getting (laughs) diapers or something. And he was telling me they were just finishing their record right up the street at Tree Sound Studios, Mm -hmm. and if I'd like to come hang out. And at the time, I was working a sales job, and I thought, yeah, it'll be great. So I went up and hung out while they finished up their record, and I kind of got the bug again. And he was, this This is one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for me. And he he, he paid me a salary of $500, and he guaranteed me one year. And he said, you go get my Pro Tools equipment. That's recording software for anybody that doesn't know. You go get basically a studio from our storage and bring it back to your apartment and learn how to use Pro Tools, and I'll pay you 500 bucks a week. And when we get home, you be ready to work. And if I need you to go over the house and do something and that sort of thing. So that's what I did. And that was really wow. one of the big things somebody's ever done for me to get me back on track. And so I started recording local bands and doing all that. And next thing I know, I was working on their record and, you know, doing all that. Wow. That's, that's, so you went from zero, you taught yourself because someone reached out out of kindness and generosity. Yeah. And but you also took but you took advantage of that and 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 now at this stage in your life, um, you do a fair amount of audio engineering. Yeah, and production. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's been a big part of my life doing live and um, studio uh, engineering and producing. I just finished a, producing an album for a young band called the Corduroy Blue, and they're doing their um, album release on November 11th at Smithsville Bar, and I'm going to open the show playing a short set to wow. be a part of that. And I'll end up mixing that band after I play. I'm going to go wow. back and mix the show. So, you know, I'm in it. Well, you know, it's, it's a great point to young musicians who are, who are watching this or listening to this. Of, You know, we, we get through our Home by Dark concerts that we produce, we get so many, young, so many young people just craving to make a living, making their living in music. 
and they're and they're but they're they're sort of just zero focused in on one thing. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be a performer, I want to be a guitar player. But what I've learned in watching your career through the years is if you've carved out a nice niche in in Atlanta as a musician, um, b- that you you sing and you write. But but being able to do other things and being willing to do other things and to and to say I'm not I'm not just this but I can also be this has connected you to a much broader network within the Atlanta music community and beyond opportunities. Um, and I unless you think I'm wrong, I think that's great advice for young folks. Yeah, uh, you know, I guess it just depends on the path that, that you want to take. I I for a lot of folks, they want to be a specialist. They want to specialize in becoming the best guitar player. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. For me, I saw that it was going to be more beneficial for me if I was a person that was capable and willing to do uh, other things, whether it be a monitor engineer or, like I said, work in the studio with someone. And And the studio, by the way, has been – that's been something that's helped me get my own music done. So so I was able to learn this trade and engineer for other folks, but it's also allowed me to actually put a lot of stuff out on my of my own music in yeah. that way. So it's been beneficial for sure. Yeah. Well I think I think in, in addition to employment, um, but the the art side of that is that you can you get to when you're writing I, I I'm guessing when you write music as a songwriter that because you have a trumpet background, because you have a guitar background, as an engineer, you hear so, you can hear songs finished before they're finished, that it probably affects how you write as well. I would say it's definitely a, a perspective that you get when you know how to play multiple instruments and you can um, hear things like that and hear from the perspective of not only a musician, songwriter, but a, an engineer. So yeah, all those things to me, it was a compliment to one another. And it's, and it's, it's, it's you know, and, and looking at your career a little bit too, I think it's, it's created this broad network of friends in the industry. I mean, you know, going back over your bio a little today, I mean, you've worked with Driving and Crying, Collective Souls, you mentioned, Sean Mullins, John Waite, mm. The White Stripes, mm. on and on because of this flexibility you've had through the years, yep. which is... Yep. It's, it served me well, I think. Oh, I think it's, it's great. Um, so as a, as a singer-songwriter... You have have you re- you released three projects? Is that right? I uh, yeah I've uh, yes three three albums so yeah. an EP and two albums. Yeah, yeah. I don't think what they call them anymore. I don't yeah, know what yeah. you, what stuff is anymore. But, <laughs> but um, it's a collection. So yeah, three a, a shorter EP and then two full length albums. Yeah, and I worked you know with with Sweet Tea Project for a long time. We released two albums. Yeah, so. and so just just to refresh uh, people watching this, Sweet Tea Project um, was initiated by Ed. Yeah, or, yeah. So, yeah. Ed, so Ed Roland is it in was it his idea. Collect- he was, I think, at the time, just needing a break from Collective Soul. Yeah, that's really what it boils down and to. And you guys, um, we already had a relationship from way back. Yeah, and so we started writing, and he had. And you guys had, wrote as a group. Yes, he initially started just the two of us, and he had some songs that he didn't want to take to Collective Soul. They didn't feel like Collective Soul songs. So we started working together, and then we started. The cool thing was because he was. In that, very much in that rock and roll collective soul world, and I was very much in this Atlanta local music scene. So right. I knew all the guys. I'd have played with all these guys, and so I already had a you know a, a, 
a handful of guys that I liked and, right. and was able to pull some of those guys in and make new relationships with Ed and those guys. And they became part of the Sweet Tea Project, which, you know, was really, uh, it was key because if we were dependent on him, it would have all been mm-hmm. other, you know, rock and roll guys. So, yeah. so I, you know, I was kind of tapped into the Atlanta market. So uh, Brian Bisky and those guys started coming in and we, we all started writing as a group. And the cool thing he was willing to do was allow us all to kind of take the spotlight at different points. So we all had songs that we performed and sang on the record as well as live. So it was And a- what's the name of that project you guys released? What was the name of that? Was it just called Sweet Tea Project? Or uh, The first album was Ed Roland and the Sweet Tea Project, right. and then the second album was just the Sweet Tea Project. We decided to, to drop gotcha. it. And is, that, and is that the one... Uh, you have a song we're going to talk about here in a second, Old Mill Town. That's the second project? That's the second album. And that was, that's, it's a great project. I mean, what's cool about you guys all writing together and sort of letting those different personalities and vocal blends happen, you guys have really cool harmonies, mm. um, these very cool textures that um, remind me a little bit of the Eagles and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I love that project. Yeah, we kind of like, we were trying to figure it out. We were like the Eagles meets Johnny Cash kind of thing. And we were just trying to make songs that were real accessible fun and uh you know big vocal harmony and all that kind of thing yeah. at work before the sun comes up 15 hours more to go with quit and whistle blow supper's on the stove bar we're all going down at old mill town Well, one of the songs on that project is the one I want to talk about today on A Song Can Change Your Life is um, Old Milltown. And we've had the, the joy of getting to perform that in, a, in several Home by Dark concerts you perform with us. And I love that song because, in part, because you've created this really cool sense of place that even if you aren't from, in my opinion, even if you aren't from the South um, or or or, or the type of setting this song takes place in, you can you can picture it really easy because you've done a really you've created a really good word picture lyrically with this thing, and you can you can smell the the, <laughs> the factory, and you can you can feel the dirt on your skin <laughs> and the smell of kerosene. Um, I would love for you to know, um, tell our, our our friends listening, how did that song come about? What what, uh, what was the the germination sure. of that idea? Well, um, I sent you today just a, a little. A short story. A short right? story, yeah. basically, that I had written. Um, and basically, it was kind of a, the perspective of me, but f- f- as a little boy, the, w- the way I filtered all of that. And this little village where my grandmother lived is really a picture of the South, very much. And where was that? Noonan, Georgia. And it's called Arnco Village. And Arnco Village was a, a village that was built by this factory. And they built the general store and the church and the post office and all the homes and the people that worked in the factory and it was a it was a they made blankets and textiles uh they, they uh people that worked in the factory lived in the little homes and they you know took out some of their check every week to pay for for them to live there and whatnot and 
when I wrote the, if you read the short story, it it kind of has a, it's, it, it might feel a little dark. It might feel a little dark when you're reading it, but it's, I was just trying to relate what what i felt as as a little kid coming you know those experiences and just to this day i can hear those cars going over that wooden bridge i can hear those boards rumble mm-hmm. and the tires it the whole village would rumble from that so you would just lay there in bed at night and hear the crickets and and the rumbling of people coming and going and uh you know fans in the windows box fans in the windows and that sort of thing but my grandmother I've told this story when we played the song with Home by Dark, but Ina Yates, and she, she's just a caregiver. She always took care of people her whole life. And when she was nine, she started taking care of her family as a, as a child. At nine years old. At nine years old. Wow. And um, that's just the kind of life that she lived. And as she got married, she had four kids. And my grandfather, who I never got to meet, he passed away. And so now she's... A young woman with four children and no husband in the depression period, and her, you know, her husband had worked. My grandfather had worked in the mill, so she had never done anything like that. She'd only worked in the house, and she went to work in the mill, and she took care of those four kids, and always had a garden, and was canning stuff, and sewing, and making. And it's incredible to me that the joy that came out of that woman to me. You know, as a little kid's perspective, it was just hard life. It's yeah. like, this is hard. This is this is not easy. And but she never, you wouldn't know it from her. She never complained. So, so the song is uh, it kind of try to I tried to encapsulate that feeling and the energy down there. And it is. It's a. It's the South. You know, it's hot well, in the summertime. There's bugs. Uh, a couple things really strike me about it. One is. She's from a she's from a different generation yeah. where, and I, I I you know with my my father and my grandparents, um, I've I've seen this where it's a little different culturally than than like you how are you and I grew up in that your grandmother her mission was to take care of her family and she sacrificed and put up with really difficult conditions day after day after day because her joy was her family and you know. Speaking just from again from sort of my perspective of what my peers, not that we're not not that we're all bums, but but we, but we invest in our <laughs> we careers. Don't know hard work we, know, we don't. We know we invest in we invest in a lot of selfish things, yeah. and our joy often comes from our accomplishments. Yeah. Whereas that generation, really, it was just so authentic and pure yeah. that their joy and their mission was to take care of. Their family, yep. and I respect that yep. so much. The other thing about cool about your about this, how you set that song up, from a sense of place perspective, is that you know my my family roots in, in the steel mill areas, um, the, those those steel towns, and then even on the west coast with at the agricultural um, towns, that even those pockets that aren't in the south, those are similar stories mm-hmm. of people going day after day in very hard conditions, um, time after time. Um, and that's why I think the song can relate all around the country. One important thing I want to say about that song, I, I, you know, I, I don't mean to neglect this at all, but, you know, I, I wrote the short story 
and I came up with the banjo lick, and I had this idea, and I, I want to mention Brian Bisky because I, I brought it to him, and he helped me take that mm-hmm. and round it out and, and finish it out. He was a big part of finishing. And Brian that is song. a for those who aren't living in the Atlanta area. Brian is 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 one of those guys too that plays multiple instruments. Yeah, yeah. G- super teaches, super talented. Can, yeah, he, he's 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 kind of a multi-purpose guy too. Yeah, he's super talented. Yeah, you're you have a good network of friends. Um, I wanted to bring up some of the lyrics on that song because it, it just it captures this wonderful sense of sense of place. South of the Carroll County line, as the crow flies ten miles down, west of the Chattahoochee, there's a shotgun shack, Milltown. Uh, what's a shotgun shack? I don't know what a, a shot, shotgun shack. Shotgun shack. I you know I just well what they are in this particular instance they're cinder block house. They're they're houses that are sitting on cinder blocks and they look like they might tip over and they all look alike <laughs> yeah very similar yeah very very little variety i know very... some of the old um steel towns uh uh where, where that the the company would build the housing for the employees yeah that's exactly yeah and so they would take part of their paycheck yeah. and they often had the, the general store they own the general store too so they just generate all the that's revenue. what i'm saying it's, yeah. and, it, and in the song i think i try to convey this to me I kind of feel as though those people that worked in that mill and lived in that town were taken advantage of because mm-hmm. the factory built everything and they did. They take the money out of the chain. I'm not saying it was terrible. I'm just saying that in my perspective, I feel like, yeah, they, they were definitely the underdogs. It's in hard story. to escape that. It's hard to move away from yeah. that. You got this thing, you got this program and you work this program. So, you know, uh, Again, it it seemed like a hard life, and uh, it was it. I wasn't. I'm not trying to come down on on factories or any of that. I'm just. It's just more of the. To me, these people were underdogs, and they yeah. they deserve some. Not just my grandmother, but all those people that, that do that sort of. I thing. agree, because in large part, ultimately, the beneficiaries of that is you and me. That's right. You know, That's because right. we don't have to do that. That's right. And they invested in their families and. We get to grow up and 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 have choices. Yeah, a lot of those people had no choices. That's right. Um, and you captured this is like my favorite verse in the song. Well, there ain't no worry about getting in a hurry, doing time at the factory. You don't need bars to keep them working in a prison when they're living in poverty. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's heavy, man. <laughs> that's it's. It, but you know, uh, you and I see that from our perspective now, and I don't know how they look viewed it then. Right, but. But when I when you talk about your grandmother Ina, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if she felt that way, or or she just I, simply said, "This is a means to take care of my family." That's what I, my, that's what I think. You know, she never it, it just didn't. It was just a, there there was an avenue she took it. You know, and that's that's how she lived her life. So man, it's powerful. So so yeah. So one of the great things about songwriting and songs to me is is a song like this. You can you can take a snapshot, a historical snapshot, and although you and I weren't in that that time period, we can relate, and because we we got a few years under our belt, we can also appreciate it, and it makes us feel something. Mm-hmm. I feel when when I hear this song, as many times you've played it, I've heard it. I feel for the people that are in this town, <laughs> and 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 you even mentioned here. Um, at work before the sun comes up, 15 hours more to go. That's right. They were working eight-hour days, man. <laughs> you know? And a lot of people like that. And my, 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 yes. my parents did that. My yeah. mom worked two jobs for a long time. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's very, very impressive and powerful. And 
Um, and and th a lot of times to me, writing a song, whether it's a sad song or a happy song or whatever, it is, it's a memorial. It's a way to say, this happened. And, and it's, a, it's a way just to give it, pay it honor, pay it a tribute. You yeah. know, this, this is part of all of us. This, yeah. this is part of all of us, for well, sure. I agree. I think it honors your grandmother. It honors that generation. And, um, and that's why I wanted, uh, I wanted you here today and to focus in because um, a song can change your life. When I say that, what the whole idea of the show is those songs that sort of dent us, dent our hearts, make us feel something deeply and maybe affect us and, and affect how we treat people, um, how, we, how we respond to people. So um, Christopher Allen Yates, thank you. Um, if, if guests want to hear your music, you're on Spotify, yeah. you're everywhere. I've got, um, I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Home Strum. Home Strum? S-T-R-U-M? S-T-R-U-M. Yes, one word, Home Strum. And it's got videos from the last 15 years of just all kinds of stuff. I'm on Spotify at Christopher Allen Yates. And uh, yeah, that, I've got a website, but I'm not even going to send people to my website. Well, and you're around Atlanta a lot. Yes. I tell people to look for you. And, um, and, and you've been a part of our Home by Dark concerts, and you'll be more of that in the future. So... Um, Thank you for being a guest on A Song Could Change Life. Thank you for writing Old Mill Town. I, I want people to, to download it and, and, the, and absorb it because it's a, it's, a, it's a very, very cool, powerful song. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, brother. At work before the sun comes up A lifetime left to go I know that I should run This town's a loaded gun But we're all going down Thank you. Christopher Allen Yates! That was awesome. Thanks for listening to A Song Can Change Your Life, recorded in the Black Box at the Alpharetta Art Center. Our special guest has been Christopher Allen Yates. To hear more of Christopher's music, go to Spotify and search Christopher Allen Yates. To learn more about our show, visit A Song Can Change Your Life. Our audio engineer is Jerry Knabel. Our production coordinator is Jacob Davis-Martin, and our production assistant is Yolandi Hattie. A Song Could Change Your Life is a Home by Dark production and brought to you by the city of Alpharetta, Georgia, Fulton County Arts and Culture, the Fulton County Board of Commissioners, and Arts Alpharetta. My name is James, and I hope you'll join us next time on A Song Can Change Your Life. <laughs>